Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, we have our uh, lovely friend, Stephanie, who is actually uh, the founder of the Honeymoon Hack. And uh, she does a whole bunch of different things, everything from the travel cartel uh, to a travel car. car- Travel cards for travel, and also uh, uh, her own website uh, about uh, you know how to make a difference while traveling, and much, 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 much more. So on this episode, we're going to be finding out all about Stephanie and her passion for travel, travel hacking, and really making a difference uh, through your travels, which is one of my big passions as well. Not just traveling for the sake of traveling, but impacting the world, doing good, and uh, you know making um, the place we visit better through our contributions. So Stephanie, uh, to start off with, why don't we get uh, to know you a little bit better, if you can share a little bit more, more about yourself for the sake of the listeners and the viewers. Thanks, Ricky. It's great to be on the show today. Um, thanks for having me. Um, so a little bit about my travel history. I travel, I, I, I teach people to travel now because I came from a place where I always thought travel wasn't accessible. I didn't grow up traveling. Um, in fact, I tell people that I used to have this, I used to have this dream when I was young um, that if I could go to Paris before I died, that my life would be com- actually complete. And I had this, I studied French in high school and I had a French book and I would like, there was a picture of Mont Saint Michel on the front and I would just like dream about seeing this place. And it just didn't ever seem practical. I didn't have money. My family didn't travel. Um, we used to go to Disney World every year, like, every single year for our vacation. And, um, and so that was kind of where I started. And I got an opportunity when I was in college to do a study abroad program. And I really like the quote, I've never been the same since I've seen the moonshine on the other side of the world. And I did a trip in 1993, 0126.93, the day of my very first passport stamp, etched into my memory fondly. And, um, you know, really, I haven't been the same since. I, the, in that moment, it wasn't just that I went to the other side of the world and like thought it was awesome and I just wanted to keep traveling. It was more that a piece of the world was unlocked. I realized that I didn't have to be anybody special to travel. And pretty much from that day forward, I was committed to kind of exploring. And now that I've seen a lot of the world, I really like to help give that gift of accessibility to travel to others. Yeah, and you know, uh, that's so funny that you mentioned, you know the exact date uh, when you uh, <laughs> traveled abroad for the first time. I don't know the exact date, but it was, uh, I left uh, Vancouver, BC, Canada, where I'm from, and I went to London, England for the very first uh-huh. time, my European backpacking adventure. And I'm actually going to look up, uh, you know, kind of through my records, uh-huh. what the date is, because it is a life-changing. Yeah. Uh, that was a day that set the course for the rest of life, because I got a super passion about travel, backpack around Europe, then I traveled mm-hmm. to... Asia, back to Southeast Asia, then Australia, New Zealand, here we are in South America. And it all started with that one first trip back mm-hmm. in my early 20s. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it was never, I never had this, like, big dream. I was going to be a traveler or I wanted to be a travel blogger or I wanted to, like, help people travel. It was all a little bit step by step. I did it for myself because I was very curious and passionate about it. And kind of the same, like, now, as you mentioned, I do a lot of work teaching people how to use points and miles to make travel accessible. And that was never something I had intended to figure out and learn. To be honest, I started collecting miles because I really like free stuff. I'm a small obsession with free stuff. And my parents were divorced when I was, uh, you know, a preteen. And my sister and I used to fly up and down the East Coast in between my parents. And 
that was back in the day, I'm dating myself, but in the 80s, giving lots of dates here, you all know how old I am. Um, in the 80s, when, when frequent flyer programs had just started, and you didn't actually have to fly on the ticket, you could just put any boarding pass. You could put any boarding pass on your own account. So my sister and I had this game where we would collect people's boarding passes in the airport and, and earn points. And we didn't even know what they were for. And so I started travel hacking really young. <laughs> That is an amazing story. It's so funny uh, <laughs> you mentioned that. Uh, so, Stephanie, uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the interview that you do a lot of stuff, and mm -hmm. I kind of uh, stumbled my way across it. Mm -hmm. Tell us in your own words all the stuff that you do. Okay. Well, I am one of those people who there's different words for it. I think, like, multi-potentialite is one of them, buzzword these days. I think the Australian word for it is, like, slashy, people who have multiple careers. I do quite a few different things, but I like to put them all under the umbrella of see the world, change the world, have fun doing it. And that's kind of my logo for, or not my logo, my motto for Wandering for Good, which is my personal website and um, kind of the umbrella of all the things that I do. And so um, I, my background is in communications, and I have had a traditional kind of career in the sense of doing humanitarian work. So my travels overseas kind of led me into the path of working with nonprofits and humanitarian agencies and helping them do communications and tell their stories and, um, you know, teaching their local communicators how to tell stories as well to, to do fundraising around the world. Um, so I've done that for probably almost 20 years, and I do that still as a consultant now. Um, so that's one piece. A second piece is... About four years ago, I was living in Cambodia. I lived there for four years while I was doing a long-term humanitarian assignment. And while I was there, I started a company with two of my friends, and we make travel hammocks. We work with women to make um, travel hammocks, and that company is called Color Cloud, colorcloudhammocks.com. And we now we started making the hammocks in, in Cambodia, but now we make them in Ethiopia. Some women in Ethiopia make them. And it's a social good kind of project where it's helping to employ women. So it's my second thing I do. And then my third thing I do is all under the umbrella of travel. And that kind of was a side hustle to begin with. I started, um, um, my friend Chris Gillibo, he wanted to launch this project called the Travel Hacking Cartel about five years ago, six years ago now. And, you know, I was living in Cambodia at the time and it was great because we kind of partnered together on it and we could work around the clock because he was 12 hours behind me. And so... I've been working on the Travel Hacking Cartel for about six years, and I also work on a, a website called Cards for Travel where I help people learn about the best travel rewards credit cards. And I've taught two creative live courses on travel hacking, and I wrote a book called Upgrade Unlocked, The Unconventional Guide to Luxury Travel on a Budget. And I just wrote a brand new book, which is the one thing that you mentioned in the beginning, um, called The Honeymoon Hack. And it's a specific resource for people who are planning a wedding and want to earn points and miles so they can take their honeymoon for free. So it's kind of all of the things going on in my world. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for summarizing it so well. Uh -huh. You did it so much better than me, of course, because <laughs> it's your business. <laughs> uh, so, Stephanie, uh, tell us about the breakdown of uh, the tra travel hacking. I mean, you say you're doing a whole bunch of stuff within travel hacking. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, listeners and viewers are interested in that subject. So... Tell us more, uh, break it down in terms of what are your mm -hmm. specialties within travel hacking? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, honestly, there's so many people who write about points and miles. People who write about points and miles are 
pretty much a dime a dozen and you can find as much information as you, you can drown in the information that's online in points and miles. And a lot of it's driven by travel credit cards. Um, and so for me, I'm not as much driven by, um, I'm not as much driven by making money off of credit cards from people traveling. I'm more interested in helping people who don't have opportunities to travel have the opportunity to travel. So I mentioned I come kind of from a humanitarian background. And for me, travel was such a game changer in my life. And I feel like especially in the political climate that we live in where people are like, some people are scared to travel, people are scared of other people. You know, if you can, if you tell somebody what they should think, there's no reason for them to believe you that something about what you what you've seen on the other side of the world, you know, but if you can get someone into a different part of the world, they just recognize that people are the same, you know, that people are always like, Oh, aren't you scared to go there? And I was like, No, there's lots of women there, you know, am I afraid to be a woman in the Middle East? No, there's a lot of women in the Middle East, you know, actually, sometimes I'm treated actually with a lot more respect than I'm treated in, in other places. So I really want to make, I'm really motivated by getting people on that first trip, the people who don't think they could do it. And so my take on travel hacking is I really try to focus on helping people learn how to do it. Um, not just teaching them how to earn the points. I think that's one of the big challenges in the kind of in the points and miles world or one of the big problems in the points and miles world is everybody's trying to help you earn points, but people, they don't explain very well how to use them. And I think one of the pieces that's also missing is kind of the strategy and the goal of it. Cause people can get really excited about earning, but if they don't do it with a goal or like a framework in mind, it is, it's just another thing. You're basically, it's another thing you're collecting. So that's that's kind of what I do. I like to think about what someone's need, help them set a goal, and then help them think through their own life. What's their travel style? What's their what's the way they spend money? How can they best earn points? And recognize that it's not the same for it's not a one size fits all solution. So that's kind of my take on the whole travel hacking world. And my yeah, and like you mentioned, there are so many websites, and even on our show itself, we've interviewed at least five or six different mm -hmm. uh, travel hacking gurus, including uh -huh. uh, you know uh -huh. you know some of our common friends, Matt, Kendrick, etc. Uh -huh. So uh, tell us about um, a, a kind of a general strategy, firstly, because I know every case is different. Like uh, for mm -hmm. me, I'm a family traveler with young kids. Yep. Someone else might be a single, uh, more in their early twenties. Someone else might be married. So mm -hmm. tell us about kind of firstly a general. Uh, mm -hmm. overview of how you can travel hack effectively mm -hmm. in terms of both the, the gaining and the using of points. Okay. Well, I'll say it really starts out with like setting a goal, like set, like picking, if you, if you haven't done it before, pick a single place. Like I know sometimes it's hard. People are like, I just want to go everywhere. Well, if you just want to go everywhere and then you just start earning things, it's really hard to like actually make something happen with it. But if you pick one specific goal and give yourself a framework, then you can easily build a strategy. So I say you pick a goal, say you want to go to Colombia, which is where you are today, you know? Yeah. You say you wanna to go to Colombia, then you figure out how do I get from here to Colombia? How many points do I need? What carriers can take me there? Which are the miles that I need to earn? And then how can I earn those miles? And then you do one thing and you build on that one thing rather than thinking, well, I have to get the credit cards and I have to use the shopping portals and I have to do all of the things that you read about in all the points and miles blogs. 
start with a goal and then build step by step on it. And then really look at, look at what fits for your life. So like you said, you're a family traveler. Well, things work for family travelers that don't necessarily work best for single travelers. For example, I typically fly, I plan my trips all at the last minute and I'll fly business class or first class if I can, you know, because I'm just me, it's pretty easy. But if you're a family traveler, you sometimes have to work on around school vacations when it's harder to get tickets. It's harder to get multiple seats on the same flight. You know, so you have a better strategy of looking, of booking through some of the reward portals, like the Chase Reward Portal, which I would probably never do that because I'm booking a $25,000 plane ticket. So looking at your, your own situation and then also recognizing like how much effort that you want to put into it. Like if you just want to like do it as a hobby, then recognize, okay, like I'm going to be able to take a free ticket, but it might take me a year to earn all the points versus if you want to like go gangbusters and like get all the credit cards that you can get and, you know, fly around the world next month, you can also do that. So think of being realistic and yeah, they're definitely what you want. Definitely a lot of degrees in the whole travel mm -hmm. hacking, everything from people who don't even know the concept exists yeah. uh, to uh -huh. complete newbies to hobbyists, amateurs, mm -hmm. and then kind of pros like yourself and uh, yeah. several others who pretty much do it full time. Yeah, they're full time you know, travelers, uh, you know, traveling around the world for next to nothing. That's, that's very true. And I think the thing is like, I don't, I don't even call myself a pro, even though I work in the, in the, in the business because, you know, it's changing all the time. And I think, if you're an expert in it, you know that you don't know everything. You know, there's different rules on every single airline. Basically, if you're a pro, you know how to find the information and translate it, you know, and, and keep track with what's happening because stuff is changing all the time and we're always trying, we're always constantly having to adapt and then learn it and then turn around and teach it to the people who aren't keeping up on top of it as much as we are. It's not one thing that you learn and you know forever. It's a hobby. It's something that you always continually have to practice. But the dividends definitely pay off. You know, I've been, so I got to get that first passport stamp in 1993. And I've been to, I think, 126 countries now and all seven continents. And I just finished the 50 states last year <laughs> as well. So, you know, and I've definitely been motivated to, it definitely keeps me motivated to travel. So out of those 120 plus countries uh, uh -huh. and seven continents, uh -huh. what are some of your favorite countries, cities, destinations, places mm. that you've visited already? Well, you know, that's a really tricky question. As you know, as someone, as a traveler, um, I would say probably the places that are close to my heart are the places that I've lived long term. So, you know, I've been in and out of certain countries, you know, like, specific, like countries that, you know, you've just traveled to, you're there a couple of days and, and like you do them, even though I hate to say that. And like I've done a country because you haven't, you've like barely, barely touched it and you don't really know anything about it and just say like to cross, it's crossed off my list, you know, it's kind of like a slap in the face to that entire nation. But, um, you know, the places that I've lived, I've lived in West Africa, I've lived in Cambodia, I've lived in Thailand, all of those places for several years at a time. And those are places that I, I would say that I really love because I've really gotten to know people, local people and community there. And I can go back and not just like go back to like the hotel I liked or the hostel that I did something in. But, you know, like I can 
land in Cambodia and the tuk-tuk driver who used to sit on my corner for two years is the guy who will come pick me up at the airport and give me a big hug. And you know, that makes it worth being there and being reconnected to those people. I wouldn't say I would choose Cambodia because it has the most amazing weather or anything, you know, but I would definitely say for connectivity, um, those places, I mean, just fun places to travel. I really, I really love Australia. I try to go there, you know, once a year just because I think it's fun. Um, I finally went to Bora Bora this year, which I'll talk more about later because that actually inspired my writing of the honeymoon hack. Um, yeah, I love Asia. I've actually been to, I think, every country in Asia besides Bhutan, which is on my list. And it just feels like, it feels like home to me. I love the, I love the culture and love Asian food. So, um, yeah, I, a lot of them. I don't know. I can't just, I can't just pick one. You can name a country and I could tell you what I love about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I mean, uh, you mentioned that it's very hard to pick your favorite. I don't know if I have a favorite. I have a uh, favorite. So with the plural and, uh -huh. and, and definitely what you said is so true. Um, the places where I've actually lived and worked and resided mm -hmm. in for longer than maybe three months or six months is, uh -huh. is are my, some of my favorites. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I lived in London uh, on a working uh -huh. holiday for six months. I lived in Japan. That's why you can see my Tokyo uh -huh. Ricky handle uh -huh. all over the place. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And then also I lived in Australia for three years. So I think yeah. those are probably my favorites just because I lived there longer. Uh, uh -huh. But, uh, you know, the whole world is my favorite. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, you mentioned uh, Bora Bora, uh, which is mm -hmm. obviously a bucket list item for many people, mm -hmm. including many honeymooners. Yes. I actually just, funnily enough, got a message uh, from someone saying, hey, I'm living here in Sydney and I want to go to go to Bora Bora. How uh -huh. can I do it on the cheap? And then uh, uh -huh. he's actually doing it on his honeymoon. So uh -huh. when, when uh -huh. I came across your, um, your uh, great uh, course that you recently launched called um, um, the honeymoon hack. I'm definitely going to send it his way because awesome. he's a perfect uh, candidate for that. Yeah. But I know uh, a lot of people who are uh, planning their honeymoon. Uh, mm -hmm. It is very stressful, especially because of the time frame. When you're planning a wedding and a honeymoon simultaneously, mm -hmm. you're going to grow a lot of gray hairs. You're going to fight a lot as a couple. Uh, me and my wife, <laughs> uh, we did a big wedding back in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Uh, for those of you who don't know, check out my proposal. I made the front page of the province. Oh, awesome. Flash my, my, my proposal. We got married in a boat, and then we went on a honeymoon on a cruise, and it was super stressful uh, planning everything. So I'm mm -hmm. glad you have a resource and a solution for mm -hmm. potential brides and grooms to be. Uh, yeah. Tell us more about the product you recently uh, launched. Okay. Well, let me give you a little bit of background behind it. You know how I was saying, like, there's so much information you could drown in it about points and miles? Well, a lot of people, they're planning this big trip and they want to take some kind of really crazy expensive trip like to Bora Bora, which probably costs like fifteen dollars to $20,000 to do. So they're like, oh, I should use my points to do this. Um, but they're adding all of that extra stress and trying to figure out points and miles when they maybe have never done it before into planning a wedding and planning a honeymoon. So it's just kind of adding more. And I've had so many couples who have emailed me or... Um, you know, sent me messages through social media and stuff who I've been, I've worked with and they really want help being able to like to plan this bucket list trip, their fairy tale honeymoon, etc. And there, there isn't any specific resource that just helps honeymooners or helps brides and grooms do this. I like looked all over. I've never been able to find anything to send people to. And it's a really interesting because as you know, as a points and miles person, you don't earn your points and miles from flying. You earn them by spending money. 
basically. And there's like, what is like the single time in your life when you spend a shit ton of money? I don't know if I'll <laughs> say that on your podcast. You know? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. The wedding but is yeah. definitely a, a <laughs> the wedding. Exactly. And so I think the average cost of like in the US, the average cost of a wedding in 2016 was like $32,000 or something ridiculous. And so looking at that fact, my, my purpose in writing the honeymoon hack was to help people actually think about how to do just a few simple things, not to know everything about points and miles, but to earn a few basic principles, to learn a few basic principles, and then to use that cost of their wedding to actually earn enough points to take their honeymoon for free. So I like to say, like, buy one wedding, get one honeymoon free. You know? <laughs> and to do it with simple, kind of simple action-packed steps so they don't actually have to, like, take all of the information and dissolve it into how it works for a honeymoon. So, so what, why don't we do a quick teaser? So if someone mm -hmm. wants to plan a honeymoon and let's use Hawaii or uh -huh. Bora Bora, Tahiti or you mm -hmm. know, wherever, you know, the people love taking honeymoons and how would they actually travel hack the honeymoon? Okay. Well, it's kind of what I said before. Start with, start with your goal. You know, like don't start by earning points. Start by actually like once if you think you're going to get married or, you know, you know, sooner the better, you know, for thinking about it, like think about where you actually want to go and do a little bit of research on how can you get there and where do you want to stay? So start with your goal, figure out what you want to do, and then think about the things through, like what kind of like, do we want to fly first class? Do we want to like stay in an overwater bungalow? Do we want to stay like in an independent property? Because all of these different things um, factor what kind of points you want to earn. Right. So if you want to stay at an all inclusive resort and you're earning Starwood points, like those two things don't go together. You know, if you want to stay at an all inclusive resort, you need to earn like points on a cash back card or a travel credit card that your travel eraser credit card that you're actually going to be able to pay for what you want. So say you want to go to say you want to go to Hawaii, you want to go to Maui. You look up how you can get from where you are to Maui and you live on the west coast of the US, you can fly Alaska to Maui. You can fly, you know, American Airlines to Maui. All pretty easy. So you figure out like what credit card, what credit card do I need? And what are the other ways I can earn points on that airline? And work on work towards getting your points there. Then you research your hotels and you're like, oh, well, I really want to stay at the Andaz in Maui. It looks like a really great hotel. It's on the water. It's pretty. Um, and then you're like, okay, this is a Hyatt property, so I'm going to try to earn Hyatt points. So maybe I'm going to get the Hyatt credit card, and my fiance is going to get the Hyatt credit card, and then we're going to have 80,000 Hyatt points to start with. We can already book three nights without even doing anything. And then um, thinking about how to strategically use different credit cards for different things, thinking about where in your wedding timeline Kind of, we have a, there's a checklist in the guide. Where in your wedding timeline do you want to get a new card? Like when you're going to do the deposit on your wedding venue, that's a huge expense. If you're going to be spending $3,000 on that, do it when you need to meet the minimum spend on a new credit card. You know, when you need to pay your photographer, do that when you need to meet the minimum spend on a new credit card. And it isn't all about credit cards. We also talk about shopping portals and looking at what expenses you can buy through a shopping portal. There's a story in the book of a couple who bought their like engagement rings through Blue Nile, which happens to be like a shopping partner, you know, a shopping, a shopping portal partner. And, you know, I didn't ask him how much he spent on the ring, but I looked up like what the average cost of a ring was. 
you know, in 2016, it was like $6,000 or something crazy. And just through that one purchase, just the bonus points from Blue Nile, which is like 4x per dollar was like 25,000 points, which is like enough to pay for one of their tickets. And that was all because of like clicking on that one little link. And so in the guide, I tell these stories and then I talk about kind of steps for booking a simple itinerary versus a more complicated one and also how to book your honeymoon suite and to, to earn like free hotel elite status so you get upgraded and get free champagne and all of those things. But I would say some of the, the best, there's great stories, some of the best resources in the guide that come in the, the package based on you know which, which tier you get. Um, I took a list of the NOTS top 50 honeymoon destinations for 2017 and I did, it's an entire spreadsheet of how you can get there by flying there with points and miles and what hotels you can hack in those destinations. It's a little, you know, primer. And then I have a, um, an entire list of all of the things, you know, all those wedding checklists. It's like shoes, you dress, all those, like, I'm going to have to pay for this, this, and this. I have that entire list and how you can pay for each one to earn the most points for it. So I've already done all the thinking for someone about how they can earn those things. So basically you just read the guide with a highlighter and you mark up what works for you and you go from there. That's how it works. Awesome. You know, I wish I had met you six years ago when I got married because, hey, we had to pay for everything ourselves. Uh, our parents, uh, uh -huh. so, you know, thanks to mom and dad as well. But uh, it was definitely uh, a big burn in our finances mm -hmm. because uh, the wedding costs a lot, the honeymoon costs a lot. So. Uh, I, I'm glad you created this product because I know uh, every wedding couple struggles with the whole financial side of mm -hmm. things, no matter how wealthy you are yeah. or your parents' wealth. I mean, uh, you're still going to struggle to some degree because yeah. of the crazy cost with the wedding and a honey and honeymoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, so oh, my the sad thing is a lot of people don't do the honeymoon because of the wedding. And I'm just like, no, you like it's not about the wedding at all. It's about the marriage. And part exactly. of the marriage is uh, going on the honeymoon. Exactly. So it's so sad when people actually skip the honeymoon. Yeah, so that's, that's my goal, that people can have that dream holiday, maybe even a better holiday that they, than they even think they could possibly have, and then also not have to start their life in honeymoon debt. You know, and I have, I talked to a couple who like were really excited because instead of the money that they had put aside to use for the honeymoon, they were able to use for the down payment on their house because they were able to use points and miles to do their honeymoon. And you know, not everybody's gonna be able to do every single thing and go to Bora Bora for free, but everybody can do some small things and save a couple thousand dollars really easily. Yeah, definitely. And you know, the whole financial side, side of things actually causes the most friction in marriages. And there are all these stats about like what, what mm -hmm. causes divorce and it, uh, yeah. part of it is, is actually money. So if you can start your marriage uh, debt-free uh -huh. and, uh, you know, uh, with as, as low expense as possible, it's definitely mm -hmm. a good start and a good foundation mm -hmm. for that marriage going forward. Yeah. So good on you uh, for creating what you have. Yeah. You're going to you. save a lot of marriages. So, uh, Yay! You know. <laughs> I like doing good. Yes, yes, I hope yes. so. I hope so. And, you know, might be might be harder for me to get a hotel in Bora Bora for free now that I'm sending everyone else there on points. But it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. <laughs> and now you've already done Bora Bora. So you got to <laughs> visit the other uh, 70 yeah. countries you haven't been to. So That's true. I would actually love to see the other islands in, in French Polynesia as well. And Bora Bora is beautiful. And I meant... I, I, tipped this in the, a few minutes ago, but I actually started writing the guide in Bora Bora on the deck of my over, water, over the water bungalow after spending a couple days talking to honeymoon couples. So I just, it came from, it came from firsthand research. 
Yeah, and I'm sure most of those couples had spent thousands and thousands of dollars to be at the same place that you got for free. Uh-huh, uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that you love to give back, make a difference, and mm-hmm. that's one of our themes of our podcast is it's not only about making money while traveling the world, it's also about making a difference while traveling yeah. the world. So tell us more about that side of your business and that side of your passions. Um, how can travelers make a difference when yeah. we're traveling? Um. So I have my own little word that I like to use here, you know, as like a travel hacker and like a activist. I've, I've personally decided to call myself like the first travel hacktivist. <laughs> I love it. Love it. And um, yeah. So honestly, I think how you can make a difference is, again, not just like doing something doing something because it's what people are doing or because you heard about it or volunteering because that's what you think you're supposed to do or giving because that's what you like think you're supposed to do. I think the biggest way that you can travel and make a difference is to kind of think through all of the ways that your travel style and your passions and skills and your timeline kind of all converge. So I really encourage people again to say like, okay, I'm you aren't excluded based on how you travel like if you really are a luxury traveler and you want to stay in like Bora Bora that's great you know not everybody has to like go to like a third world country and developing nation and like suffer and you know live in a village with no water in order to make a difference in fact you know someone who is like uh you know just a traveler who's like a tourist and who's like actually an intentional traveler who is like paying fair wages in the market and not trying to like get everything super cheap, you know, is probably contributing more to a local economy than someone who's like going to have like a volunteer experience in an African village where, you know, they're actually like straining the local economy versus giving back and and don't, don't see that because they haven't had that experience. So What I really like to do is kind of help people to think through, you know, what are the skills that they can contribute? And, you know, are they are they like naturally an advocate? You know, are they the kind of person who's going to learn about a place and then, you know, come home and tell others about their experience and share about issues? Are they like someone who's action oriented and they want to be like in a country like building something because that's really important to them to actually like physically do something? Are they like are they an activist, you know, are they like the kind of person who's going to like protest and call their congressperson and, you know, be that kind of be that person who's engaged at a different level. And so there's not a right or wrong answer. And I think a piece of it is figuring out where you like where all these pieces meet and knowing like, do you want to do something short term? Do you want to, are you going to be a short term traveler? Are you going to be a long term traveler? And so yeah, there's, I would say there's not one answer. And what I like to try to do is help people kind of define that, like the hacktivist hot zone or this little sweet spot of, of what doing good as an intentional traveler looks like for them. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really glad you defined it that way because it's not one size fits all because some people say, where can I find volunteer opportunities or mm-hmm. what did you do? I'm like, well, it doesn't matter what I do because, unless you're exactly. really passionate about the same thing. Uh-huh. Uh, like we obviously, like uh, as a family, we're super passionate about kids and family mm-hmm. issues and mm-hmm. um, like uh, orphans, for example. So even here in Bogota, Colombia, we're actually uh-huh. uh, going to be staying at a orphanage. Uh, shout out to them, SOS Children's Village. We're actually mm-hmm. fundraising for them uh, during our travels. Mm-hmm. We're uh, educating people 
people about the orphanage mm -hmm. and the organization. And, um, you know, we're teaching English uh, to the kids there. And our kids actually benefit, too, because uh, they get to make new friends with the local mm -hmm. people. And it's kind of a win-win-win for all yeah. parties involved, for the mm -hmm. orphanage, for us, and also for all the people we're mm -hmm. educating and inspiring uh, mm -hmm. about the orphanage. So, yeah, yeah it's uh, definitely something you got to figure out your passion. Uh, it could be people. It could be kids. It could be environment. It could be animals. And then mm -hmm. just do that. Yeah. And I would say, you know, um, I don't know if you've interviewed Shannon O'Donnell as well, but she has um, a great tool called the Volunteer Traveler's Handbook, which is something I always recommend to people. And she has a website called Grassroot Volunteering, Grassroots Volunteering, which actually um, is different opportunities that are vetted that are like either short-term things or, or also if you're staying in a place and you, you aren't there long enough to kind of commit to something like to commit to something well it has opportunities for like where you can shop or where you can eat that contribute to different people who are working in those communities and I really like that and you know there is a lot of challenges with volunteering um, when you travel and I would say like the the most important thing is really to you know do your research you know SOS is a, is a great organization but there's a lot of there's a lot of orphanage tourism especially in Southeast Asia that's actually a really big problem and so it's important to like to to know what your motives are and to know um, what kind of place you're working at and what's happening when you're not there. Um, I have a, a story uh, that someone told me because they were asking me about what I what I talk how I teach volunteerism and things to people, and they said they went to this place and you know they were there as a short term team and they had them like build a wall and later they learned that this group of people really didn't know what to do with the volunteers who were visiting so one group would come and they would have them build a wall and then when the next group of volunteers would come they would say like oh we really need someone to tear down this wall oh and no they would tear down the wall and then really? the next group would come and they would have them tear build a wall oh no and so you know i would just say that that's not the case in in every way but you know a lot of some good volunteer opportunities are about the the, the work that you're doing there, not necessarily about you and your travel experience. And I like to tell people like, if you couldn't Instagram from the volunteer opportunity you're doing overseas, would you still do it? Mm. You know, I think that's kind of, that's one good factor. And then, you know, there's some good questions that you can, that you can ask to make sure like the volunteering that you're doing is, is ethically good and it's actually contributing. Yeah, what a shocking story. And I've heard that kind of story similarly uh, mm -hmm. in terms of like a lot of organizations just don't know uh, what to do with volunteers. So it's almost more work for you to exactly. go there. Uh, so exactly. yeah, do your due yeah. diligence, I think, is yeah. the, the bottom line here. Yeah, learn, learn, about, learn about what the organization is actually doing. If it's working with kids, you know, be really careful if it's like if you're working with kids who are in a vulnerable situation and you're there for a couple days like recognize the fact that like new people are coming in and out of these kids lives every day and they're kids who have abandonment issues probably already and you know be can look at look at what different organizations in the place you're going are saying like in Cambodia there's a huge problem with orphanage tourism where villages will set up orphanages and kids who have parents will send their kids to the orphanages and oh, the tourists come and they like pay to go, you know, volunteer at the orphanage and the orphans, you know, do dance shows and stuff. And really it's like, it's kind of a whole big scam of tourists and 
tourists are paying for it and these kids are separated from their families. So, you know, not all volunteer opportunities are bad, but I think me having, I've been in a place where I've been able to live in places like this and I know more of what's under the kind of under the ground in some of the volunteering thing, which is why I always, I think volunteering is great. But I always, I'm also like, hey, this is this, this is some of the stuff that happens. You know, when you're looking for these opportunities, definitely, yeah, definitely do your due diligence if you can. And those those resources that I mentioned are really kind of great resources um, that help you find things that have been vetted and that give you great questions to ask mm-hmm. when you're looking for that kind of opportunity. And of course, any opportunity that's longer term or actually uses your skills to contribute to something is great. Sounds good, Stephanie. So, uh, you know, to end off here, tell us about your vision going forward. Uh, We've covered a lot of stuff in in terms of your business, in terms of your travels, in terms of your, uh, you know, making a difference, kind of a big mission. Where do you see yourself going in the next few months, years, and beyond uh, in terms of your your travels, your business, and, uh, you know, making a difference? You know, I always like to say life is like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Do you remember those books? Where if you read those books, yeah, yeah, yeah. choose your adventure. I remember yeah. them fondly. Yeah. You get to the end of the chapter and then you get to make the next decision. You don't actually know what's going to happen at the end. And I really, you know, I really kind of live like a choose your own adventure lifestyle. And um, I'm not sure right now. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing these different things and I see more coming together. I'm really interested in sustainable business and, you know, looking at sustainable business where sustainable business and travel and humanitarian stuff kind of all merge. But you know, I can't really say like where I want to be in five years or 10 years, because I honestly think like the thing I want to be doing in five years doesn't exist yet in, in words that people use already. So great answer. Never heard that. answer. Huh? <laughs> so wa- watch this space, yes. um, wandering for good. And, um, yeah, you'll see where I'm heading. Yeah, so Stephanie, uh, you know, uh, we've covered a lot of territory. Uh, maybe you uh, can share the different websites. Uh, there are a few, okay. <laughs> everything from your personal website to, uh, I know you mentioned uh, uh, the social justice, uh, social enterprise uh-huh. you're part of, and also all the travel hacking uh-huh. uh, subcategories you're involved uh-huh. in, and anything else you want to plug away. Go ahead. Okay. Well, my own website is wanderingforgood.com. And on all things social media, I'm at Wandering Zito, and that's wandering with an A, not an O. I'm wandering, not wondering. And um, Zito, Z-I-T-O, Z-I-T-O if you're from not America. And um, um, thehoneymoonhack.com is the site for the the honeymoon guide. Um, Travel Hacking Cartel is the travel hacking subscription service that I work on, credit card, cardsfortravel.com for credit card travel tips um, and colorcloudhammocks.com is the, the, the social good hammock company that I'm a part of. And if I missed anything else, you can find it on Wandering for Good. Awesome. And we'll have links uh, to those websites on our show notes if you're watching, if you're listening to this on iTunes. If you're watching this on YouTube, we'll actually have them right in the YouTube description. So make sure you click through. You don't have to type them in your browser. Just click through. <laughs> uh, there might be affiliate links there, just a little disclosure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, make sure no. you check out her, her websites. Um, once again, Wandering for Good and then uh, Traveling uh, Cartel, Travel Cards for Travel, and then uh, uh, travel hack your honeymoon and then <laughs> the last one the social enterprises colorcloudhammocks.com there you go there you go so uh, make sure you check out all of those different 
websites. Uh, just to get to know Stephanie better, and uh, you know, if you're being inspired by anything she said, which I think you have been, I know I have, just as a, a host, and also listening to what she's saying, definitely very inspir inspiring. Uh, and I, I really uh, believe uh, your your product is going to save marriages. So good on you <laughs> for the travel hack, your honeymoon. I know that's your um, current project you're working on at, at the time of the recording, anyway. Uh, so thanks, Stephanie, uh, for your time. Happy travels, and we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Ricky. Happy travels detail. Thanks, thanks very much. So thanks, everyone, for tuning to this episode of Digital Norman Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to save your marriage, how to save money <laughs> on your honeymoon, how to make money while traveling the world, and ultimately, how to make a difference.